0: Today on the Jay Doherty Podcast, we'll take a look at an interesting clash of mistakes and deviations from large media networks like Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. Additionally, the next 2020 debate is just days away, and there have already been some developments in who is or isn't running to be the President of the United States in 2021. How will this affect the debate placement and potentially the Vice Presidency? Finally, we'll take a look at a poll published by the Wall Street Journal, which suggests rapid decline in what were once generally considered fundamental values of being in American, particularly among Millennials and Gen Zers. What does this mean, and are these values actually central to American culture? We'll answer all that and more on episode number 105 of the Jay Doherty Podcast.
1: Podcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty.
0: That's correct, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Jay Doherty Podcast, episode number 105. Currently, it is 2.16 p.m. Friday, August 30th, 2019. Thank you so much for being here. There's a lot to talk about, a lot happening in the world of politics, a lot happening in the world of media. Talk about how Fox News has turned on Trump, according to Trump. And MSNBC host Lawrence O'Donnell made a mistake, one that the Trump administration legally, or at least threatened to legally respond to. And CNN is facing some backlash after hiring former FBI Director Andrew McCabe. We'll also talk about uh, some interesting developments in the 2020 race. Kirsten Chilbrant dropped out as the ABC debate is nearing, and also an interesting Wall Street Journal poll about uh, patriotism and declining American values among specifically younger people like millennials and Gen Zers. I'm saying uh, young relative to the, you know, the average age here in the world. So, uh, before we get to any of that, I just want to point out this, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Hurricane Dorian has been moving up um, into Florida, started it more south, uh, near Puerto Rico. It's still, uh, in the, you know, area of the Atlantic Ocean, um, and we're following some developments here, but I just want to just point out the, the amusement in which that you know, I mean, just from the outside, it's very amusing how Trump has responded to this. Now, of course, Puerto Rico, if you look at a map, is <laughs> more southern than Florida. It's more southern, uh, you know, than, so, so the Hurricane, you know, what started in Puerto Rico, basically in terms of United States territory. President Trump responds to it by not even mentioning the hurricane in a tweet saying, "Quote: Puerto Rico is one of the most corrupt places on earth. Their political system is broken, and their politicians are either incompetent or corrupt." And he goes on to talk to blame Congress about how they sent billions of dollars there when uh, they were recovering. Now, while that may be true, he didn't even mention the hurricane, or anything about it. But when it came to Florida, the place where he received a large majority of the Republican vote and also owns seven properties, Trump was just so adamant in his concern, saying on Fox News Radio and the Brian Kilmeade Show, quote, unfortunately, the bad news is that it looks like it's going to be making a turn into Florida. We're very ready, also in Florida, and we have a great governor there. He's an incredible, uh, doing an incredible job. And that's a quote. Trump, of course, far more concerned about the citizens of Florida, even though Puerto Rico is the United States is United States territory. Which, I mean, I don't blame him. I, I would probably do the same thing if I were the president. But I think it really looks terrible, especially because he owns Trump International Golf Club, uh, Trump Grande, Trump National Doral in Miami, Trump Hollywood, Trump Towers Sunny Isles Condos, uh, the Mar-a-Lago Club, of course. He has two private houses and uh, Trump National Golf Club in Jupiter. He seems far more concerned about the people in Florida and the state of his existence and his reputation in Florida than he does in Puerto Rico, and I assume, uh, I mean, there's many reasons that you could point to it, I just don't think it looks good for him to be, uh, you know, thwarting the his, his sadness for Florida when Puerto Rico is just as much of the United States territory, and then also... Blaming Congress for the mess, you know. I, I said this before. He should just ban, declare a ban on all storms. That would be pretty ideal. Um. Anyway, that that's that's my first little thing there. Uh, although I do want to talk about, um, uh, Fox News. So they Trump basically has assumed for quite some time, and I've said this for a while, that Fox News uh, is state media, that they somehow uh, understood, understand what he's thinking, understood what he was thinking, and then base their programming off of not only that, but also how they could appeal to Trump and a large portion of their audience that votes for Trump or considers to vote for Trump. Um, so, recently, they haven't really been appealing to him or his voters, at least according to Donald Trump, uh, on Twitter. This Wednesday, August 28th, uh, Trump tweeted, quote, "Just watch Fox News heavily promoting the Democrats through their DNC communications director spewing out whatever she wanted with zero pushback by anchor Sandra Smith. Terrible considering Fox couldn't even land a debate. The Dems give them nothing. CNN and MSNBC are all in for open border socialists or beyond. Fox hires give Hillary all the questions, Donna uh, Brazile, Juan Williams, and low rating Shep Smith. Hopeless and clueless. They should all, uh, They should go all the way left, and I will still find a way to win. That's what I do. I win. Too bad. Oh, so, so, so humble. Uh, and also, I, I think this attacking now of Fox he even went on to say that uh, Fox, you know, we need to find another place because Fox is clearly not working for us, which is uh, kind of ridiculous. I mean, you know, Trump said um, that Fox isn't working for him or his voters anymore, uh, which I think is... Totally, totally ridiculous, and it's actually kind of an insinuation on his parts. I mean, people might support him. They might not watch Fox News. Anyway, this is what he said, uh, Donald Trump said. I don't want to win for myself. I only want to win for the great people. The new Fox News is letting millions of great people down. We have to start looking for a new news outlet. Fox isn't working for us anymore. That was on August 28th. Uh, Looking farther back just this month... Watching fake news CNN is better than watching Shepard Smith, the lowest rated show on Fox News. Actually, whenever possible, uh, I turn to one America news network. It's really, I mean, find a new network. What does that even mean? I mean, you know, I understand Fox is conservative, uh, but it really isn't their job to thwart your policies, to promote your policies, to accentuate your thoughts and feelings, I'm talking to President Trump, Uh, and also you know, just declare that you, you know, uh, watch this guy. I mean, it's, who cares, really? I mean, if you happen to turn the channel, you know. Uh, But the point here is that Trump is just as reactionary to Fox as Fox is to Trump, or at least was to Trump. It's kind of like crime and punishment. They both react to each other and work generally well together in a fair court system. Uh, But they only work well together just because of the institutional and preconceived circumstances uh, about each entity. So that's crime and punishment, and that is crime and punishment. But this is the President of the United States and a conservative TV network. You know, crime and punishment work like the Supreme Court. It is a reactionary cause and effect. Trump's relationship has never really been cause and effect until one makes the other mad. And that's where we're at right now but there's a strange very broad thought that seems to be lurking in Trump's mind which that Fox is some sort of uh a transcribed state run media and i don't think that th- that that's correct i really don't uh and i want to read you uh, this man's tweet one more time when he was talking about um when he said that we need to find a new network, he said, I don't want to win for myself, I only want to win for the great people. The new Fox News is letting millions of great people down. We have to start looking for a new news outlet. Fox isn't working for us anymore. So, I, I want you to imagine that when I read those tweets, when you heard me read those tweets, I want you to imagine two things. Number one, that President uh, that Trump is the President of the United States. Uh, and number two... Uh, Fox News is somehow a separate entity as a corporation, but sponsored somehow by the executive branch of the U.S. government, which gives them points, writes some news scripts, and ultimately signs the checks. I might be able to empathize a little bit with Trump more if this were the case. And even though that would be one of the last things I would do in that circumstance, I mean, a state-run or state-sponsored media in America... I mean, if that happened, it'd really be a real mess. And if you just imagine, when he says that Fox isn't working for us, we got to find another news outlet. Could you imagine if it was state-subsidized if that were the case? I mean, that, you know, seems... I'm, I'm not saying that he thinks that. I really don't think he thinks that. But there seems to be this lurking thought in the back of his mind that, uh, you know, because Fox is conservative, or generally their opinion hosts are conservative, that they're going to like him. And that's just not the case, especially uh, for uh, many of the hosts, actually. Former Fox News chief political correspondent appeared on CNN as a guest, and he actually said that President Trump is attacking Fox News because he's a crybaby president who likes to bully instead of finding solutions, end quote. Remember, this is the former Fox News chief political correspondent who left in 2018 after their... I I think it was 2018. Could be wrong on that date, and I'll confirm that. Uh, I think that he just kind of generally was not happy with the coverage that they were kind of pushing with Trump. Among many things, he basically recognized the more untraditional language that the president uh, used. um, You know, when he insinuated that the base, his base, the people who follow him on Twitter and the people who uh, you know are loyal to him as a president, as a candidate, they need to find another outlet. And I thought this was just. Really, really interesting. The the problem with this is that he is effectively telling Fox
1: viewers to boycott Fox News. Uh, we have to find another outlet, he said. Uh, so that's pretty radical, even for him.
0: I agree. I agree completely. It is totally radical that, that that's the case. That's what he said. We need to find another outlet. and You could put him out of business. Not really, of course, but, you know... Uh, it's certainly not good for Fox, and Trump should not be able to di- dictate uh, you know, what people watch, how they watch it, and then also saying we got to find another outlet because these guys aren't just doing the job. And I, I understand. I mean, I, I, I think in so many ways, if you just turn on the TV, it is close to impossible to get straight news from either side. I completely agree with that 100%. But to insinuate... That Fox News is somehow supposed to oblige themselves and obligate themselves completely to your soul and then also accentuate the messages that you indirectly spew out in front of the American people and then also add good commentary on that. That's just not their job. Their job is to report on, uh, on you. And that former chief political correspondent uh, went on, on on CNN to talk about all this stuff. Uh, and that first clip you heard was him on CNN. He also said another thing that was really interesting, an interesting point about the culture of the Republican Party in Congress, one that kind of worships Trump's policy but ignores his rhetoric just simply because many of their constituents voted for Trump and probably will vote for Trump again in 2016.
1: Unfortunately, the administration and most of the Republicans in Congress are supporting him, even though most of them understand that Trump's values
0: have nothing to do with the values they grew up in in the Republican Party. So that, that's actually a really interesting point, in my opinion. Uh, and, it, you know, it's, it, doesn't take a, it doesn't take a genius to understand that. But that is very much the culture of the Republican Party and what they do. It really is, in my opinion. You know, the other guy that uh, has kind of a a monopoly on the... Not a monopoly, but, you know, some sort of say in this is this Fox News host, Neil Cavuto. I believe that's how you say his name. Um, He kind of... He's a current Fox News host, so a little bit more uh, timely relevant than uh, the former political correspondent. He was talking about just how, quite simply, it is not Fox's job to please the president. It is their job to report on the president.
1: There I mean, are no grays, no middle ground. You're either all in or you're just out. Loyal on everything or not to be trusted on anything. Which could explain the president himself this week bashing Fox News yet again, urging his supporters to stop watching the channel to quote tweet, Fox isn't working for us anymore. Well, first of all, Mr. President,
0: we don't work for you. I don't work for you. My job is to cover you, not fawn over you or rip you. Just report on you. Yeah, okay. And Now, by the way, from the Washington Post, from the Fox News Corporation. So that's that, okay? Um, I I think it's ridiculous to even insinuate that uh, Fox even works for Trump. Uh, There's not really much you can say about it. I don't want to waste your time. But I do want to talk about a liberal network, MSNBC. They're in some hot water after late-night host Lawrence O'Donnell made it a, quote, error in judgment when reporting about potential Russian finance ties uh, to President Trump and Russia, specifically with Deutsche Bank, he wrote on Twitter, quote, last night I made an error in judgment by reporting an item about the president's finances that didn't go through our rigorous verification and standards process. I shouldn't have reported it, and I was wrong to discuss it on my sh- uh, uh, discuss it on my show on the air. I will address the issue on my show tonight. Now, even though I maintain a rigorous MSNBC nightly news viewing schedule, I was not able to actually see this moment. But the Associated Press did a fabulous job on reporting uh, on the objective realities of this story. The AP writes, he said on the show that he'd been told, and this is a quote, he said on the show that he'd been told that Deutsche Bank uh, had documents showing that Russian oligarchs had co-signed loans for Trump, which is a big no-no. They continue writing, he said the report uh, came from a single source who didn't, who he didn't identify, he also said the documents also supposedly reveal that Trump paid little in taxes. Uh, they also say that the AP also says that Mr. O'Donnell would kind of cover himself by prefacing many things with if true or, you know, assuming this is true, kind of insinuated that and even said if true many times. At one point, uh, he even said on his show, quote, that would explain, it seems to me, every kind of word that, pre- that Donald Trump has ever said about Russia and Vladimir Putin if true, and I stress the if true part of this, and then continued on. So he did make it clear that it was not completely corroborated. The stress is on the if true part uh, of this, and it makes me want to feel more lenient towards Mr. O'Donnell because I think he made it clear that the reports were not officially corroborated, and he also didn't blame it on NBC or his source in that tweet apologizing for it. He basically just said, this might be true, and then analyzed it subsequently. Almost like predictive analytics. I don't even think that it is wrong to do this if you clearly state what you are talking about is unconfirmed, as O'Donnell did. I would also say the same thing uh, about any anchor on Fox News. If they make it clear that they somehow had unconfirmed reports from single or even multiple sources that they receive a truly unconfirmed and purely speculation and then they're an opinion host where they interject their own opinion, I think that's okay. And I think it's really the core of opinion journalism, especially in the prime time. I actually happen to think that O'Donnell didn't think the apology was necessary until Trump's legal team responded in a letter to Susan Weiner, NBC's general counsel. According to the AP, in a letter to Ms. Weiner and Daniel Coomer, the company's senior vice president for litigation, that's that's Daniel Coomer, uh, Trump, lawyers, Charles Har- Trump lawyer sorry, Charles Harder called O'Donnell's statements, quote, false and defamatory and extremely damaging. Okay. So, let well, I me... Mean, uh, okay, so I, I think they they have the right to be mad. Uh, I think a Trump voter has the right to be mad. Uh, but I think saying that they're false and defamatory and extremely damaging... I mean, first of all, MSNBC... You know, ratings have been pretty low recently. And also, he prefaced everything with if true, so he didn't even confirm it. I think it would be... You know, I think Trump's response, as usual, is totally blown out of proportion. But it's a different story. You know, it would be a totally different story on my end if Chris O'Donnell said, quote, You know, breaking news, breaking news. We have new reports that Trump had business in Russia, and this is going to be detrimental to not only his reelection but also the presidency itself. I think that would be a whole different story. Not just for NBC, but also for Trump. In fact, I would love to see... How Trump's legal team would respond if something legitimately false were stated? I mean, Trump himself claims they—you know—the media says false things all the time. When you know he calls them fake news, right? There's no publicized litigation there. You know, just saying. Like, there's—he calls fake news like probably every other day if you equate all the times that he said it, if not more. There's no publicized litigation against those uh, companies that report his so-called fake news. Uh, but I suppose the real story here, um, you know, is, is was this what this whole thing is going to mean for NBC? Um, you know, from what we know so far, it's pretty obvious that Team Trump is not going to pursue anything against the company uh, that ran The Apprentice or anything. And that's just not going to happen from what we what we know so far. Uh, although I think Trump's lawyers were legitimately, you know, cons- you know, repushing them. They're saying, you know, if you keep pushing out this uncorroborated, you know, stories that are totally false, we're going to sue everything out of you. We're going to milk you like a cow. And, of course, that's not, that didn't happen. That's not going to happen. But uh, I think that, you know, is basically their their story. And that's what they believe. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it, it does show that NBC, their ratings, their viewers, and the loyalty of those viewers... Is going to is might might change drastically, Um, especially the more conservative viewers who are trying to diversify their palates. And I suppose this doesn't even compare to uh, what CNN did (laughs) and the amount of backlash they're facing for it, uh, for what they did uh, and what they've done in the past. Uh, But before we get to that, I do want to play you um, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell's official apology on uh, his show transitioning from Rachel Maddow. This happened on uh, MSNBC just the other day. Last
1: night on this show, I discussed information that wasn't ready for reporting. I repeated statements a single source told me about the president's finances and loan documents with Deutsche Bank. I should not have said it on air or posted it on Twitter. I was wrong to do so. This afternoon, attorneys for the president sent us a letter asserting the story is false. They also demanded a retraction. Tonight, we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate but the fact is we do know it wasn't ready for broadcast and for that I apologize
0: all right Mr. O'Donnell ratings and showbiz are basically all that comes out of this just like Trump's presidency although according to him it's going to cost him five billion dollars his service to his country it's going to cost him $5 of dollars five billion dollars All right, we got to move on now to CNN. They're also facing some backlash after Chris Cuomo, CNN's primetime host, uh, and then also Matt Schlapp, a conservative political analyst and current chairman of the American Conservative Union, went on to talk about Trump's lack of attendance at the G7 summit event on climate change, and then the subsequent unconfirmed excuse the Trump administration made, saying they had overlapping meetings with Germany and India at the time the meeting was going on even though the leaders of both of those countries were photographed at the climate meeting. Mr. Cuomo was a bit aggressive in bringing this issue on. Uh, This is not, of course, the first time that he's been aggressive, though. Uh, He bashed Trump for not uh, being there and had political commentator Matt Schlapp on to discuss it. Oh, and, and by the way, I was... Just going through some of Cuomo's previous shows, and on, and on two consecutive days, he had Cenk Uger from uh, and Aaron and a Kasparian, both from the Young Turk, Turk, super leftist, progressive, pro-Bernie internet network. And let me just say, these guys, whether you love them or hate them, and I'm leaning towards hating them at the moment, rarely ever appear on cable news. So that just gives the insight into the fact that Cuomo literally handpicks his guests and will have people on his show that represents uh, something uh, known well uh, or largely. For example, he would always invite high-ranking Trump officials like Kellyanne Conway and others, as opposed to the other hosts that would accept lower-ranking administrative points and just spew out the talking points, rather than doing what Conway does so well. Which doesn't even have a definition. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to Mr. Schlapp. He and Cuomo uh, got into a heated exchange about uh, FBI Director Andrew McCabe, and now his current employment over at the fine network of cable news network CNN. CNN. America first. Russia second.
1: This weekend, the president of the United States made time to campaign to have Russia readmitted into the G7. By the way, Russia was launching missiles right near the NATO border during the G7. Now, just as interesting as what this president didn't have time for, a
0: crucial meeting on the climate crisis. So that's what he, that's what, that's how Cuomo prefaced this whole thing, right? Uh, and it, so that, that's what, uh, and this was while Matt Schlapp was standing by for his interview, um, and they went crazy once, once, uh, where Cuomo got a little bit agitated, as he's done so often in the past, uh, about how, um, After saying some things about, you know, liars and how the president has just lied so much and how he can't admit that he lied so much, even though he blatantly does. No one's going to admit that on the Trump side, right? Including Kaylee McEnany, which we're going to talk about in a second. But anyway, uh, this guy, Mr. um, This guy, uh, Mr. Mr. Schlapp here, uh, basically. kind of used Chris Cuomo's network against him and the decisions made uh, on that network now that Andrew McCabe is working for them it was it was actually kind of funny I I thought
1: Meeting that somehow it's all a disaster with these no, world it's leaders not it's a, not I'm just saying
0: just don't lie don't say
1: you had meetings with Merkel and Modi so you couldn't go and then Merkel and Modi are, we, are at the po- at the meeting how about the fact that I think that the coverage of this Summit should be more responsible. I'm not calling the coverage lying, but I'm saying it should be more responsible. There were plenty of good things that came out of it. Well, I'd I'm love to see a trade deal good with came out opinion. of it. I'm saying I don't like the White House lying to the American people. It makes it very I, hard to talk about policy. Chris, I don't straight. like. I don't like it when Andrew McCabe lied either. And well, so i do not my president. Should, what'd you say? He's he not was my president. He was the deputy he was director punished. of the FBI, and he was punished. He's for getting lying. rewarded too. Well, Oh, why? Because he works at CNN? Well, I'm just saying, you shouldn't get on your high horse about who's lying and not lying. Not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have some kind of magic. All right, so they
0: go on and they, you know, pontificate and whatever. I, I, it just, it's just so funny. I really think it's funny how uh, the media reacts when something like this happens or when something is brought up, especially, um, uh, you know, when, when something about the actual network is, is happening, and decisions that are made far above Chris Cuomo, um, so, you know, at the, you can make the same argument that, you know, Fox also hired Sarah Sanders, who, even though she didn't hold a place of public power like Deputy Director McCabe, she lied consistently, just like Sean Spicer, and they're, they're getting hired at media networks, too, I mean, Sean Spicer's a pretty avid self-promoter, so I agree with the argument, but I don't think it has to go both ways. I actually don't think that Cuomo, the Cuomo McCabe story is that big of a deal objectively, but I thought it was interesting how Cuomo actually jump jumped in and said, oh, why? Because McCabe works for CNN. I mean, he could have just, you know, let that slip and say, you know, well, I don't want to make the headlines anymore that I already have. And so I'm just going to let it slip. So uh, speaking of the, making the headlines, uh, Kaylee McEnany has been all over the headlines after uh, the conservative analyst, that crazy conservative analyst who uh, now works for Trump's campaign and was formerly an RNC spokeswoman, literally said that the president has never lied, even when Fox News and the rest of the fake news media frequently points out his objective lies, just like at this G7 summit. He constantly lies and uh, Miss McEnany failed to corroborate that information when asked by Chris Cuomo. If he didn't take things out of context, lie. if he didn't demonize people for being different,
1: if he didn't make it okay to be bigoted, then he, he would lie. not get the same kind of criticism. He doesn't lie. Look the at this. Press you lies. don't look at Fox News and call it state TV.
2: That's who lies. The press lies. and don't, you don't take think it from this me. president has take ever it. lied? Take it from Jim Comey, who literally called out in New York. You don't think this York? president has lied to the American lied. people? No, I don't Kayleigh think McEnany, the president has lied. have to answer that question first. He has never lied to the American people. No, I don't think the president
0: has lied. McEnany, your credibility will be shot I think with my CNN audience has if you don't lied lied back off. That All right, so they go I on. You know, I actually think it's an interesting point. I'm just gonna let that play. He says, like, oh, you know, my your credibility with my audience is gonna be shot. I think that's actually an interesting point, uh, and it was, it's actually kind of a, a big uh, matter, you know, in, in her eyes, saying, look, I, you know, I kind of want to represent, I want to do my job, I want to go on these liberal media networks. She's actually one of the smart conservatives working for Trump, the very few, including him, um, and, you know, she says that Trump never lied. Okay, well, that is just blatantly, blatantly incorrect. According to the Washington Post, in 928 days, Trump has made uh, at least 12,019 false or misleading claims. Among those most repeated claims, he's building the wall faster than ever. There's never been a time in the history of our country than we have right now the highest number of people are employed, the best employment numbers for African American, Hispanic women, for everybody. He said, I mean, we have the best numbers we've ever had. He also has said, this is again among the most repeated, that China is intent on continuing to receive the hundreds of billions of dollars they have been taking from the United States with unfair trade practices and currency manipulation. Uh, he also said that these are the that he's implementing the biggest tax and regulation cuts in history. I think his fiscal policy, which he does not write, is actually decent, but it is objectively false to say that he is making the biggest tax cuts and regulations biggest tax and regulation cuts in history. He also said, We're trying to have a good relationship with Russia. Uh, It's very hard in light of the phony witch hunt, which is now dead. Uh, And then he also said, The greatest betrayal committed by the Democrats is their support for open borders, and these open borders would overwhelm schools and hospitals, drain public services, and flood communities with poisonous drugs. Okay, so so I don't think anyone... And I, I mean, you could always make the argument otherwise. But besides the crazy radical left that many of them hold very irrelevant positions, but conservatives like to talk about them because they just so happen to be, you know, activists and young and on actual media platforms other than just cable. And they also represent a very flawed, skewed image of the Democratic Party that doesn't even appeal to even the Democrats, let alone the conservatives, Trump can scare them by saying that, and by because Fox supports the very small minority of Democrats who are radical leftists, he can reinforce that narrative. Uh, he also has said for the last 20 years, China has taken hundreds and hundreds of billion dollars out of our country. That is not true. The United States' trade deficit, goods, and services in 2018 with China was $378 billion. Uh, he often just cited, cites the goods deficit, which was $375 billion in 2017 and over $400 billion in 2018. In any case... Uh, countries do not make or lose money on trade deficits. Then he also said we're rebuilding the awesome might of the United States in military. It will soon be soon be stronger, relatively speaking, than any time in our history. Okay, so what, I mean, it's kind of insinuated that it's relatively speaking. What what would be the other way that you could be speaking non-relatively, saying that any time in our history you don't even have to. I mean. It, and I, I mean, that just kind of makes it a little bit murky there. You know, he has to say, relatively speaking, that's very broad. The military budget has declined in recent years as a result of decreases for, you know, overseas contingency operations, uh, especially in Iraq and Afghanistan. And the wars over there came to a close. Uh, and you can literally, on the Washington Post website, and I'll have this linked on the website, j-doherty.com, you can search the database by what he has lied. Things include economy, immigration, jobs, foreign policy, election, environment, biographical record, crime, terrorism, guns, education, trade. You can filter by a statement. Facebook, remarks, Twitter, interviews, uh, vlogs, campaign rallies, all that stuff. And it's really, really cool how they have this all set up. The Washington Post has a great digital team very, very good digital team. And by the way, some of those claims I just read, they're not all uh, they're not all uh, blatantly false, but many of them are misleading. And many of them have been said over uh, 130 times. In fact, all of them have been clo- said over 140 times by the president himself or something along the lines of that. So when Miss McEnany makes these crazy arguments, it's just not true and she really got it in with Mr. Cuomo. But I'm and gonna you ask never... you
1: this one more time. Kaylee McEnany, do you believe this president has ever lied to the American no, people?
2: No, I don't believe the president <laughs> wow. has lied. I believe the fake news media, do you, you believe the blew fake my news IMB media right out of my head. Do you believe the fake news media Interview's has lied?
1: over, Kaylee. Please, the if you can't admit that this president has lied to the American people, you will not the have credibility news with the audience. Media lies. You've and got that's a long way, way to go,
0: Kaylee. Okay, so I, I actually kind of respect more so the people who Work for the Republican Party as a party, uh, rather than the president himself. I mean, I literally and especially, I mean, Trump's lawyers. Like, what do you, what do you think those lawyers that Trump has have to go through? I mean, he blatantly, blatantly lies hundreds of times per day. And, uh, you know, whether publicly or privately, he just is a liar. He is a consistent liar. And if you defend him, you are also basically a liar. And if you reinforce that he doesn't lie, which is clearly false on so, in so, so, so many ways, then you are twice as much of a liar by my standards and by general general standards, I would assume. I don't want to waste your time with those guys. We're already 35 minutes in almost to this episode. Got to talk about the 2020 race. Kirsten Gillibrand has dropped out of the ABC debates in the 2020 presidential election as a whole. Talk about all that and what it means right here on the Jay Doherty Podcast. All right. Kirsten Gillibrand, that lady. Yes, she is the New York junior United States senator. She dropped out of the race uh, the twenty twenty presidential election after low fundraising numbers and a lack of poll traction, she is uh, now like all democratic can- <clears throat> she is now, like all Democratic candidates since the dawn of time, open to be the vice president or just supporting the nominee, whoever he or she may be. In the debates, she needed to be better, in my opinion. I, I think it's just an objective fact subjectively coming from me. That she needed to be better. She had two good moments, but she definitely was scared to keep pressing. And to be honest, a bit intimidated by the anchors, the moderators of these debates. Especially in the NBC debate, when it was Rachel Maddow, Chuck Todd, uh, Lester Holt, Savannah Guthrie, and others. She backed down. She really did. Especially when she was attacking Biden. Uh, And, you know... I've talked about the strategy of the networks on on this show before but this was this debate where they had the moderate candidates in the front when they had uh, Bur uh, when they had Biden and Harris right in the front and then all the progressive smaller candidates surrounding them and then uh, the other night was uh, uh, Sanders and Warren and then all the more moderate smaller candidates surrounding them but Kirsten Joebrand really did not like Joe Biden Whatsoever They got into a kind of an argument, and Kirsten Jill Brand, this was really the reason that her campaign came to an end. She was scared to keep going. She was scared of the moderators, and she was scared of her candidates. She also didn't really have many good points and focused on her campaign as a one-sided issue that only focused on, you know, women's rights and the, you know, feminist issue. And something that I think is a very relevant thing that needs to be talked about more, Uh, and I think is talked about uh, appropriately. But you, unfortunately, will not win a presidential race if you just campaign off of one singular thing 95% of the time. And that is kind of what she did. She brought that center stage when she attacked Joe Biden about his track record, which I believe happened more than 20 years ago when he made comments about uh, women in a very scripted way, and even her response to Joe Biden's response was quite scripted. Here she is at that NBC debate. I thought this was an interesting moment for Kirsten Gillibrand, really when she made her debut as a potentially legitimate candidate. Now she has proven herself otherwise.
2: What did you mean when you said when a woman works outside the home, it's resulting in, quote, the deterioration of family? No, and I- that we are avoiding, these are quotes, it was the title of the op-ed. Oh. And that just causes concern for me because we know America's women are working. Four out of ten moms have to work. They are the primary or sole wage earners. They actually have to put food on the table. Eight out of ten moms are working today. Most women have to work to provide for their kids. Many women want to be working to provide for their communities you, and to Senor- help people. Let's, so either you don't believe you. it today, or what did you mean when you said it? In then? the very
1: beginning, my deceased wife worked, but we had children. My present wife has worked boom, all boom. the way through <laughs> raising our children. The fact of the matter is, the situation is one that I don't know what's happened. We I go. wrote the Violence Against Women Act. Lily Ledbetter. I was deeply involved in making sure there the equal pay amendments. I was deeply involved in all these things. I came up with the It's On Us proposal to see to it that women were treated more decently on college campuses. You came to Syracuse University with me and said it was wonderful. I'm passionate about the concern, making sure women are
0: treated equally. Here we go. I don't know what's happened except that, you're not running for president. whoa no, I
2: understand.
0: You know, Mr. Vice president. that is where she just utterly got destroyed. I mean, seriously. She just got destroyed by Mr. Biden. And good for him. He literally, he, like, she would just, like, dropped a little tiny bomb. And he just came out, boom, 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 boom. And then she had a really weak response to these anchors. And this is really, I think, contributed to the beginning of her demise as a presidential candidate. I think it would actually be a little bit better if she didn't even have this moment... To begin with,
2: I respect you deeply, Ugh. but those words are very specific. You said women working outside the home would lead to the deterioration of family. My grandmother worked outside the home. My, my mother worked outside the home. And, and thank from, you, Senator Gillibrand. So well, he has I, I either, bring Senator Harris. Either into he this no longer believes it. I mean, I just think he needs to. I never to.
0: believed it. I mean, I just think she needs to. You know, I mean, it's totally scripted. She just sounded weak. I mean, I you know, and she had a decent argument. Uh, if it was true, and if she, and, you know, and if Biden actually really did not have a track record of supporting women. Uh, but if that was the case, everyone would be talking about it. I mean, Biden is clearly not a racist. I think he is uh, has his moments, and he's had his moments famously. Uh, but <laughs> he's, I don't think he's a racist. I don't think he is, you know, anti-women in any way. Uh, But I do think um, Kirsten Jobran, if she were kind of a better debate and actually picked the issues that mattered more on a day-to-day level to the majority of Americans, and then also mixed what she believes in fundamentally into her campaign, she would have done better. I really just think think that that would be a better thing. You have to appeal to a diverse audience, but you can also interject your own fundamental values into your campaign, which you should. That is the goal of American elections. Uh, I wrote and talked about on this podcast that Kirsten Jobran needed to be better. This was uh, on July 31st after that debate. I think she had two good moments, but definitely scared was scared to keep pressing, and to be honest, intimidated by the anchors. She, she backed down on everything, basically. And that was not good. Um, so Gabbard will uh, not all. So first of all, Jill Brand's not going to be in the, in the in the next debate not make the cut. Uh, Gabbard is not going to be included in the third debate. Uh, people, I think this is starting. Kirsten Jill Brand has started the dropout season. This is where everyone's going to start to drop out. The next coming months, especially in September, October, no, October, November, we're going to see a lot of candidates drop out. Uh, like Bill de Blasio, uh, Marianne Williams, and others, they might just drop out. And uh, we'll see also some more other lower-profile candidates uh, begin to drop out as well. Uh, so we're, uh, we'll are keep an eye on the 2020 race, of course, and uh, update you accordingly. Uh, but I think it's going to be um, really interesting to see what happens to Jill O'Brand. And actually what she's going to do, because she really left it open very broadly in a video that she released when she dropped out of the presidential race. I cut it up just for the highlights, uh, but she she basically said, I'm not running for president, but I am open to any job offers that may have anything to do with the second highest role in the executive uh, branch of government. That's how broadly, but specifically, she spoke and insinuated so much in this very generically uh, produced video announcing the end of her campaign and that she is dropping out of the race for president.
2: Hey everyone, I wanted you to hear it from me first, But after more than eight incredible months I'm ending my presidential campaign. I know this isn't the result we wanted. We wanted to win this race, but it's important to know when it's not your time and to know how you can best serve your community and country. I believe I can best serve by helping to unite us to beat Donald Trump in 2020.
0: Okay, so I I believe that too. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think any American who doesn't like Trump believes that. So what does that mean though? You know, serve your country. I suppose she is less broad uh, near the end of the video, but still equally not equally, but it's still less, less broad, far less broad, uh, and uh, you really just don't know what she's talking about. And I don't think that's ever a good uh, thing to know or to have that feeling after you walk away from a video produced by a candidate for President of the United States. This is what she said near the end of the video.
2: Our work is not done, and we have a clear mission in front of us. We have to defeat President Trump, flip the Senate, and elect women up and down the ballot can't wait to keep speaking out, marching, and fighting with you. Together, we will make people's lives better, no matter who you are, where you live, or who you love. And I know that together, we will win this fight. Thank you so much for everything, and I'll see you soon.
0: Okay, so what does that mean? Uh, I mean, you know, thank you so much for everything. I'll see you soon. Uh, Is she talking to her constituents? Is she talking to the United States? What is she talking about? And I that that's the question that you are forced to kind of come come away with. She's a very interesting candidate. I think she that was kind of her very broad way of explaining that she is open to supporting the next the the next Democratic nominee, and she's also uh, looking for uh, to be the vice president of the United States if she's given the opportunity, or maybe even not given the opportunity. She's still looking for it. Um. And also by the way just on a purely technical note the the volume of that music like just listen to this how how loud the volume is it ob- it overrides her voice completely and I'm not doing any post eq on my end coming from Kirsten Gillibrand. Not- and just listen i it's kind of it gets worse as the um, this second clip goes on but on a i mean just on a purely technical level always err on the side that the music should be lower, not higher.
2: Together, we will make people's lives better. Like, do, you, do you see how that overrides it? Where you live or who you love, and I know that All together. All right, so it gets
0: better as you know. But with those drums, they really overpower her voice. So uh, I'm sure you can make a lot of money making that generic music, but it is certainly something that you uh, that one must learn <laughs> when they do campaigns. In my very very humble and uneducated opinion. We are going to move on now to a recent Wall Street Journal and NBC News poll about patriotism and declining American values among millennials and uh, younger people in our generation. That is next on the Jay Doherty Podcast. Chad Day from the Wall Street Journal published a truly fascinating article about uh, the generational shift in beliefs, particularly unique to America and Americans values, the article reads, quote, the values that Americans say define the national character are changing, as younger generations rate patriotism, religion, and having children less import- as less uh, important to them uh, than they did young people two decades ago, a new Wall Street Journal, NBC News survey finds. So, it's at the, the results are very fascinating, and I don't want to draw too many conclusions, uh, but the basic uh, things that I took away from it, we're about patriotism, religion, and having children. Patriotism from ages 55 to 91, 79% believe that it is important. It's an important thing. 65% from 39 to 54 believe six. Yeah, that uh, patriotism import, is important. 65% from 39 to 54. 42% for 18 to 38. So 42 for 18 to 38. 65% for 39 to 54. And 79 for 55 to 91. Uh, I'm sure that sounds confusing, taking out, taken out of context, but that is what uh, patriotism is. Basically, the older you get, the more dramatically you believe that your loyalty and your innate belief in the foundation of this country is more likely to be uh, you know, possessed within you when, as you grow older and as you are older. Um, because there is a very especially on uh, on the left there is a like the far left not not so much the the center left uh there there's kind of this belief that America even though we uh, have failed so many times at the promises and the the values that were created in the beginning uh the the idea that America is like bad at the center of its core and that they're bad in every single way it's just not true in my very a humble opinion, and I think I'm actually very correct when I say that. I'm not the first one to have that thought, but it's just untrue that America is fundamentally wrong at the core of everything. Uh, speaking of morals, religion. 30% consider religion as important to them, ranging from 18 to 38. Ages 39 to 54, 52% believe religion is important. And from ages 55 to 91, believe religion is very important to them. From ages 18 to 38, having children, basically advancing the human race, 32% say is uh, important to them. From 39 to 54, 44%. And from 55 to 91, 54%. Uh, So, now I'm just going to go through each of these and what I think. I, I think... The idea of patriotism, the belief in it, it mostly shifted by young, far-left Democrats that America is a terrible country based on fundamentally immoral values. That is not the case. That's why the poll numbers have literally gone from low to middle to high in all of these age categories, including religion and having children. Religion is believing in something bigger than yourself. Obviously, the uh, Constitution gives you freedom of religion, so it's totally up to you what you choose or not choose to believe in. Uh, but I do think there are uh, some contributions, especially, uh, you know, in, in many religious, uh, that many religion religious aspects offer. So, that's just my little uh, rant about that. I don't want to go in too far. So, it's basically up to you what you want to believe in. And I don't know, really, the broad language of this poll doesn't suggest whether or not atheism is included in that uh, religion poll. Because, by definition, atheism is basically... You know, it is phraseologically equivalent to monotheism, polytheism, atheism. Having children, uh, this is more of the future, I think, in this poll. Uh, You know, I don't want to, I personally do not want to have children. I do not want to get married. I understand that having children, uh, you know, is, by the advancement of the human race, essential, especially in America, where we have the best schools, the best innovation, and the best track record of having a fair society. Um, But, you know, I think um, this this is, while it's pretty low, especially as uh, the younger you get from ages 18 to 38... It is not surprising to uh, me, but, and you know, you never know. I mean, people, especially as you get older, your priorities shift, and your circumstances, especially financially, uh, shift. So, you know, every, everything changes, basically. And all of these, including the ages 55 to 91, those are all subject to change as well. That is my little rant on that. Alright, so that's basically my, my perspective on, on the polls side of this. This is interesting poll. We'll have it linked on the website. J-dorty.com is that place if you want to go over there and uh, listen to more episodes of this podcast. You can listen to uh, you know, other podcasts that I do. You can go to the Doherty Files where you can see uh, archived clips archived clips at the Doherty and so many other things uh, over there other podcasts that I do. It is the Jay Doherty Podcast 310 on Friday, August 13th, 2019. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Podcast is hosted in the JD Media Network studios in Chicago, Illinois. The J Podcast is hosted, produced, edited, and mixed by Jay Doherty. T J D P is voiced by NewsMic Voiceover, hosted by Blueberry, and edited with Audition. The J Doherty Podcast is a JD Media Network production. Copyright Jay Doherty, 2019. Make sure to listen to other JD Media Network productions like the JDRC Politics Podcast for weekly discussions on international politics. Or listen to the Weekly File Podcast for all the news, just the facts. Learn more and hear more of this content at j-doherty.com or view archive clips and show highlights at thedohertyfiles.com or listen to other JD Media Network productions in nearly any podcast directory. Thank you for listening to this episode of the J Doherty Podcast.